there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline. I'm Dana Lane along with Chris the Moose Johnson at the control. We come to you from the Brian Blessing Studio brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Make sure you download that right now. Before we get to hockey, we did some research. Did some research. How big is Manny and how after looking at him, he's got the look in his eye that he wants to be part of this. Yeah, uh, so Manny Del Campo, the um, bullpen catcher and it's interpreter bullpen, of, bullpen, the, right, okay. of the Los Angeles <laughs> Angels, uh, he is five foot ten, two hundred pounds. Yeah, and he actually has batting and throwing, like like so um, he was on like arms. So yes, he, he bats right and he throws right. So <laughs> and you found him on Baseball. Reference. I found him on Baseball Reference. Um, he <laughs> he looks like he's been starved. Of of action <laughs> yes. for the last for the last like ten plus years. Yeah, he's probably the nicest guy in the world. Oh, he's probably he's probably so sweet. But like, so you sweet. know, you know the guys in the you know the guys in the dugout just instigating everything. Because there's one picture of him where he looks like he's a menace. There's only one of them where just his, his side eye is coming into a picture, and I'm like, oh my god, it's nothing worse than somebody with side eye. Oh, it's my, hilarious. My kids have side eyes. This is I can see if I'm going to call them on what they're doing. Um, I wish there was an ISO cam on him. Oh, it would have been so good. Just to see. I mean, somebody has it. You know what? Because somebody had to see the what only, he did. The only guy that missed him that I that could have that probably has that footage is John Boy Media, and he didn't. He didn't out, talk. I mean, I he didn't talk about the interpreter, but that's. That would have been one of the greatest breakdowns if he showed the interpreter and him fighting. I think that's incredible. I'm I'm gonna look up where he was in this brawl and I'll show you soon. I, I'm I'm gonna find him. I'm gonna find him. Anyway, that's done. All right, so we're done with baseball. Let's get to hockey. We're always looking ahead to next season for sure. And uh, Kristen Shilton uh, did a you know a, a very early loose power rating of the National Hockey League next season. Not a lot of surprises, but the one surprise is where Vegas landed on this. And not really a surprise, but just a little bit too high for me until I see something different. And I'll give you the list. I'll just give you the top seven. Colorado, of course, is number one. And you kind of go through the top five or six and you go, yeah, duh. Okay. Tremendous job, of course. Colorado number one, you guessed it, Tampa number two, Toronto at three, Rangers at four, Carolina at five, Florida six, and then she has the Golden Knights at seven in the conference or in the uh, in the league. Seven is good enough for second in the Western Conference. Now I'm not sure. I'm ready to give that to uh, – I'm not sure I'm ready to give that to Vegas. I still need to see more. Uh, we'll ask our, our two guests coming up about it. I need to see more from goaltending because right off the bat, 
if Tampa Bay went through the injuries that Vegas went through, you would say, you know what? I, I still think Andre Vasilevsky can steal some games for us. I just, and again, nothing personal. I just don't see that right now with this team. And then the other thing is, when you're talking about chemistry, which came up, it wasn't, it isn't anything we made up. This is what players said. It, it, basically, in, in between period or after games and late in the season, chemistry came up a lot. So now you have to say, okay, well, if chemistry is an issue, that's not something where you could just plug guys in. That's not something where you could say, okay, well, if it wasn't for injuries, we would have chemistry. Because there's been plenty of teams that went through disappointing seasons that didn't have injuries, that just couldn't find chemistry, didn't live up to their expectations. So I don't feel as if, until I see it, I don't feel like, oh, it's going to be instant chemistry. And I don't know if that's something that you build in five games. I don't know if it's something that you build in the preseason. will be interesting to see how much ice time they get in preseason. I think that's something that builds over the course of the over over time. And then we get into Christmas. And then we kind of see where the chips are at that point. Where is this team at that point? Because that's always, you know, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, take your pick. People start to measure their teams by those two holidays. New Year's trade deadline. Well, not New Year's. I mean, a week apart from Christmas. But you get what I'm saying. I need to see that more before I'm going to say they're the second best team in that conference. And, of course, we have to see where you know, free agency takes us. We have to see where goaltending, which is good. There's going to be a lot of moves in, in, in goal. We'll see where the teams are going into camp in September. Then you have a little bit more idea. But always good to read these sort of things. This is a team for – for my money, and we'll, we'll talk to Andrew about this, they have to win the possession battle about 55-45, in, in my opinion, for them to overcome what I think right now is a deficiency in goal. I really like Logan Thompson quite a bit. I want to see more from Robin Leonard. I want to see the guy that was in the Vezina Trophy conversation in New York. I want to see that guy. Haven't seen him yet. And I understand, hey, look, injuries, we, we don't have any idea. I mean, we hear about these injuries, but we, we really don't understand the effects that the injuries have on the player, both physically and mentally. We don't have any idea. But all we can do is measure what we see on the ice, and that's what I need to see more uh, from Robin Leonard to the point where I say, okay, our backstop is good enough. Like, we can be aggressive. We can pinch all over the ice. We can do all those things and not worry too much about getting caught back the other way. I, I, I don't have that yet. So I, I reserve judgment. I think second in the conference is a little bit more than I'm willing to 
to give at this point. Um, let's bring in longtime friend of the show and myself personally from Wager Talk, Andrew McGinnis. And, and Andrew, it's always great to have you on. We appreciate you coming on on, on short notice. I don't know if you heard this list or not, but they have Vegas it's basically second in the conference and everybody else kind of falls in where they where they stopped uh in the in the postseason but i mean do you think i'm i'm a bit overreacting or am i not really seeing the big picture with this team but where i just need to see more before i can anoint them the second best team in this conference well you know thank you for having me on and, and i'm right there with you actually i think it's uh i need to see it before i can believe it with this team and they've had such success you know, since the team obviously was built and started out in, in Las Vegas, and I think that that standard has been set and the expectation is there for them. And we saw, I heard you talking about injuries and chemistry, and, and that is most certainly is, is something to factor and consider. But like you mentioned, a lot of teams deal with that stuff as well. For me, when I went to watch the Vegas Golden Knights this year, I got a chance to see them play against the Florida Panthers, and I'm telling you, that that game was one of the fastest games I've watched in person, and there's just it was such an up and down style of hockey, and you know with a new bench boss there in uh, in Vegas and a style that uh, we saw Cassidy playing in, in, for the Bees, I feel like the style for Vegas is going to be play at a slower pace, like you said, gain possession, get the puck deep, and get rid of this back and forth stuff. I think that will benefit the Vegas Golden Knights the best is to kind of just. No, I'm not saying be physical, but um, stop playing pond hockey out there and first to four or five wins the game. They need to try and win three, two hockey games. And if they can do that, they will be a good team. Obviously, some you know new pieces on their team and lots of talent all over the ice. But as you know, the good teams are the teams that can win the low-scoring games. And I have to see it before I can believe it that they have the ability to do that because, for me, I think at their best, uh, this past season, what we saw was when they were scoring five goals. And, you know, what we saw with Florida in the playoffs, I mean, even the Maple Leafs every year, you can't be a team that's only going to play fast. You have to have the ability to win low-scoring games as well. Yeah, you know, the only thing, and maybe it's maybe, – maybe I struggle because I don't know what that ad- identity is. I know that Bruce Cassidy, although the perception is that the Boston Bruins have – you know, they're a tight, checking, defensive, uh, difficult team to play with – I mean, if you actually, you know, watch them, and I, and I watch them as much as any other team, they put a lot of shots on net, and then they crash the net. And it, it is – they are very much of an up-and-down hockey team, and I wonder if he's going to – I think he's going to bring that style here. I couldn't imagine that he wouldn't bring that type of style to Vegas. I can't imagine that he would change you – know, I mean, because really – I mean, I, I know there's no Bergeron here. I get that, and, and there's – but really the pieces are here to have that kind of team that can explode offensively. And it really starts with Jack Eichel and his ability to make a difference five on five, make a difference on the power play. And I think really for, for me, Andrew, the one thing that really got Pete DeBoer fired was their inability to be effective on the power play. And you knew that was going to be a problem from day one because Pete DeBoer said in his opening press conference, don't ask me about the power play because I know it's going to be a problem. So, But in in relation to Bruce Cassidy, his teams, and it's not just last year, it wasn't just a year before, his teams in Boston have been exceptional in the, in the power play, better than Barry Trotz's teams. 
And, and, and you, you could throw out the Islanders this year, this past year, with all the things they've had to overcome. But Barry Trotz's Islander team, and even going back to last year in Washington, they didn't match up to what Bruce Cassidy did on a consistent basis. I think I think Bruce Cassidy's ability to run a power play, an effective power play, and on top of the fact that uh, Bruce is a guy that you know we t- talked about this earlier in the show, where he's very serious, which really falls in line with uh, what the Golden Knights are uh, as an organiza- organization. And of course, George McPhee. There's nobody more focused and serious about his hockey. So. I think they're going to be a little bit more up-tempo, Andrew, than, than maybe people would think. I mean, I think they're built to be that style of hockey team. But, hey, look, if this power play doesn't creep into that 20, 20% range again, I think we're going to be sitting here at the same time next year one, scratching our heads saying, hey, look, we weren't great in five-on-five, five, and we were not good again on the power play. Special teams, to me, makes or breaks this team next year. It's huge for them, and they have the talent for it. They have to be able to convert. One thing I will say about Bruce Cassidy, you know, I, I was I was shocked when the firing took place, and I think it was kind of a scapegoat for what happened to the Bruins and kind of just a little mix-up for them. But I think that Bruce Cassidy, you look, you can only use the cards that you're dealt. And, you know, what was I saying all season long and all playoffs long, really? Well, it wasn't too long of a playoffs for the Bees, but they just didn't have enough depth. I mean, they call it the perfection line with Pasternak and Bergeron and Marshawn. But after that, there really wasn't much production. I think with this Vegas Golden Knights team, he's going to get a lot more production from several contributors, not just those guys. So, um, you know, at the same time, like you said, as me saying, I think he can bring that defensive element. And there's, you know, there is no Bergeron for the two-way game. There still are so many guys that can play up and down um, that I can see Bruce Cassidy just being you know, smiling ear to ear from that. And looking at what he's done on the power play with the Bruins, the way they move the puck around. I found that this year the Vegas Golden Knights power play was just too stagnant. You know, they were holding on to the puck for too long, you know, shooting without screens in front of the net. We're probably going to see Bruce Cassidy get the puck moving laterally a lot, get the goaltenders confused, get a screen in front of the net. Uh, because like you said, it is very important for them. So, uh, you know, I will say that as much as like we talked about the chemistry and, and injuries, it really was a rough, rough season for the Vegas Golden Knights, especially near the end there. And I think people were shocked by the result there at the end of the season. But now this is kind of the season to say you have the talent, you've got the pieces, you got a new coach. What are we going to be saying by Thanksgiving, you know, the next season? That will be the biggest test. How can they start? Can they stay healthy? And like you said, what's the deal with the goaltending situation? You know, who will be the guy for them next year that, that steps up and, and plays strong? Because, uh, like you said, I think Logan Thompson was a goaltender that I watched in person. I thought was a great goaltender. I thought he looked calm in that. I thought he looked relaxed. He looked, you know, confident, looked like he belonged there. And his rebound control was rock solid. Absolutely. I, I say yep. give, give the guy some time, give him some experience, and let him because how do you gain experience day enough you're playing every seven games? I mean, Andrew, you hit it right on the head. And again, I don't know specifically what Robin Leonard was going through injury-wise. But I will say this. Rebound control is absolutely huge because the one thing that Leonard did not do well last year is when there was a big rebound in the slot, he was not in position to make that second and third save if needed be. 
I felt so much, and you know where we come from, I mean, Andrew. I mean, we come from a gaming background where, you know, our gut is is very seasoned now to to know what we're seeing and to recognize momentum and to have a good feel for games, uh, even in a zero zero game. I can't tell you how many times I felt more comfortable with Logan Thompson and Net than I did with with Robin Leonard and Net. Agreed. And but that's the funny thing is that it's okay, look, I feel like this is kind of a stretch to compare him to a guy like Mike Smith. But you ever see you I don't know, think Mike it's a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch at all. <laughs> I've done okay, it. Well, you know, Mike Smith is a guy that makes every single routine save look like a highlight of the night. And it's kind of like what you hear analysts say about defensemen. Besides an offensive defenseman, how do you know a defensive defenseman had a great game? You don't hear his name called, right? But with Robin Leonard, every single save he made looked like the hardest save in the world sometimes. Same thing we see with Mike Smith sometimes. It's like a routine save was him flashing the gloves, sliding over, and everyone goes crazy in the crowd, but it really shouldn't have been that difficult. No, I completely... I mean, that is just another great way uh, of saying what I have said for very for a long time. I mean, probably since I went through that stretch in, in Buffalo and Philadelphia and dropped those two games, and I just felt like as the season went on, I, I cannot feel comfortable. Now, again, comes back healthy, has the surgery, is 100%. Maybe he's a completely different goaltender. His mobility. And I go back... I think it was a year, Andrew. I go back a year, and I believe in one a, a podcast. I, I don't know specifically what it was, but anyway, they they asked him about, "Hey, look, are you you're training hard and you know getting ready for the season?" And he basically said, "Well, no, no, I'm really I'm just kind of traveling and you know not you know kind of focusing on that. I mean, not, and it was at the point in the off season where you would expect people to start going or players to start going into that mode of getting ready for the season. And I think there are times where I feel like he's out of shape. I don't think he's mobile enough. And I, and of course, when you factor in an injury, that's when I start to feel like, Ooh, I, he's been good. And he is good, but I feel like he's not a he's not going to be a, a netminder that's going to be able to steal games for me. And I think in order to win a Stanley Cup or to compete for a Stanley Cup, I need my backstop to give me that feeling like, hey, we might be as a team, we might not be on our game a hundred percent, but our goaltender could steal just like the Rangers fell on a night in night out basis. Our goaltender can steal a game, even if we're only giving him two goals. To me, it's not even really as much of steal a game for us. Just don't lose it for us. You know, that's kind of what I was saying about Darcy Kemper for the avalanche, a goaltender that got a lot of, you know, flack throughout the playoffs. He was analytically one of the worst goals goalies, as far as the save above average goes, they needed him to be average. That's all the Avalanche needed from Darcy Kemper. He had some great saves and some big games for them, but also some weak goals. I think the Vegas Golden Knights just need some consistency. They don't need to see him on the highlight of the night on SportsCenter. They just need to see him saving the shots he should and, and making the occasional highlight save. Because, like, like we talked about, Vegas has a great team. The rankings are coming out, and they are high on a lot of these rankings. Obviously, a great team needs a great backstop, but for him, 
stay big in your net. Don't be small. You know, you're over six feet. You're a big guy. Don't get low. Don't get caught deep in your net. Make those routine saves. If I'm a Vegas Golden Knights fan, that's what I'm worried about. You know, your team is probably going to put up three or four goals a game. Just don't lose us a game. Let the let the forwards and the team win the game. I get your point. You you need a, team, a goalie that can save you one. I don't think he'll ever be a, a Vasilevsky, but just don't lose your team a game with a with a hiccup in the middle of the game. I just want to also bring up the stats, kind of back you guys up. Uh, Logan Thompson in only 19 games had a 2.68 goals allowed average with a 500 520 saves. That's with five less games than Brassat. He did better he has the highest uh, he has the best goals allowed per game again compared to robin leonard who only had a 2.83 they had a 90 percent save percentage and just 17 losses on 23 wins 10 wins yeah. on five losses logan thompson was a better goalie overall and he had the same amount of shutouts that leonard had in 44 games yeah and i just want to feel um in in that's such a it's i want to see it over a, a full season where logan thompson is a, a definitively the backup goaltender and then i could get him a feel for how relevant maybe some of those numbers are but definitely again i go back to i felt much better uh with logan thompson in that let me just talk about another and Dana, he played yeah. against good teams too uh sorry he, he played against great teams uh, absolutely know, the backup yes. goaltender they have to play a really tough second half of a back-to-back end of the road trip the backups are always playing in the in the worst situations possible. So playing against teams like St. Louis, like Calgary, you know, teams that have snipers that can score, it's not like he was getting in there against the worst teams in the league either. He had, you know, good performances against great teams. No, there's no doubt about it. And again, I didn't think that Pete DeBoer even thought twice about putting him in there. I mean, we saw him we saw him late in the season play well against St. Louis and then you know he lost three shutouts in a row I mean he he hasn't lost a game in regulation in his last five starts and that was at Edmonton and before that he had won five in a row so I think he is if you told me in December or January that he would definitively be your number one guy I would say, yep, I can see that because I can see where his trajectory is going and maybe it's a one-in-one-A situation where maybe Robin Leonard even steps up and, and says, hey, this is who I am as a goaltender. And then you've got a really good situation because then you can do a 60-40 split if you want and feel good every single night about your backstop. So didn't mean to go off so much on, on Robin Leonard, but I did want to ask you, uh, Andrew, about, about Calgary. And, of course, it's all about signing Goudreau. But do you feel – and I know they've got a ton of cap space, but in your mind – are they going to be there again next year? And, and I guess it comes down to Goudreau. If they sign him, then certainly that they could make a case for, for being there next year. But if I compared Calgary to where you know Colorado was or even where Tampa was, I still think they're on that next, that next level down. And, of course, they'll compete with Vegas uh, for sure. I think they're very close as far as uh, being on paper. I think they're very close. But... I mean, where do you see the Flames? Are they going to stay the same or kind of move back? And I'm going to ask you from the perspective of they re-signed Goudreau. Well, here's my thing with the Calgary Flames. They are, I still kind of classify them as a different team in the regular season as they are in the playoffs. You know, 
I think this year they impressed me a little bit more. They had some experience. I think a guy like Tyler Toffoli made a difference with, you know, kind of his leadership and how old he is and stuff. But look at a guy like Johnny Gaudreau. He, yeah, you, you know, Dane, I'm sure you saw that viral video of Nylander going around during the playoffs, you know, in a playoff game going to the corner and not being willing to take a hit. I kind of describe Johnny Gaudreau as the exact same player. And you look around this lineup, sure, you've got some guys like Kachuk that are willing to mix it up and things like that, but I still look at them as a team that might not be ready to make that step as going that extra mile in the playoffs, you know, being able to transition in from regular season hockey to playoff hockey mm-hmm. based off the team that they have. So, you know, when you've got Kachuk that's more worried about the after-the-whistle stuff sometimes than the between-whistle stuff, that kind of bugs me a little bit as well. And kind of their decor. You know, I, I saw their decor kind of get exposed a little bit in the playoffs, and I'm not so sure they're willing to take that that next step. So uh, I think I think Gaudreau doesn't resign, but we'll see what happens with them. But I, they, had a, they had a great playoffs. They're able to put up some goals, play well defensively, but I'm not as high on the Calgary Flames as most people are. Yeah, I was a lot higher on them uh, this past season. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to ride in that direction uh, moving forward. Andrew, buddy, I told you we're going to talk about this. We're going to sprinkle in this to the show and to the hockey show, but... It's something I love to talk about because you and I both love the CFL. I don't watch it as much as you. I mean, obviously, you being in Canada, you watch it quite a bit. But this is a tremendous sport, and I love the way, you know, it's it's not kind of hokey like arena football, but it's a great brand of football. It's awesome to bet on, and it really wets the palate for the NFL preseason. Absolutely. It's a blast. I always try and tell people, Dana, if, hey, if they can't get behind the CFL as far as watching it, it is a profitable sport. Uh, there's money to be made, and uh, you can find some soft lines. You know, there's, uh, there's the NFL where you find some very, very sharp numbers, and there's the CFL where if those numbers come out on Monday or Tuesday, they're going to change rapidly, you know, from that game that's taking place on Friday or Saturday night. So it's definitely a beatable market, a profitable sport, and, and a fun one to watch. You know, a lot of people say the sport's so different with just a three down. But what I love about that three down is the fact that comebacks can happen a lot faster, Dana. Yes. You know, look at a sport where it's just two and out. All you need is a two and out score, two and out score, and you're back in the game. We saw a comeback uh, last week. I believe the score was 24 to three, and Calgary came back on Hamilton. So that's what I love about the CFL. And like you said, it gets us warmed up for college football and the NFL. Yeah, well, Andrew, we always appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for coming on on short notice. Tell everybody where they can find your work. All my work can be found on wagertalk.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at McGinnisPicks. Always tweeting out some opinions, uh, live bets, uh, picks, and much, much more. So, Dana, I appreciate you having me on. It's great to talk with you. All right, buddy. Thank you so much for your time. Let's take a break. When we come back, Mike McKenna from the NHL Radio Network and the Daily Faceoff will join us. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. 
Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles Game Day Giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree! Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles Game Day Giveaway. It's only at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to StationCasinoSports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline, powered by Station Casinos. I'm Dana Lane, along with Chris Johnson, spinning the beats. Now, I love the guitar work in this song, and I know that I know this band because I recognize the voice. Yeah. Whereas I usually chalk it up to, I will never know this, because you pull out some indie stuff all the time. I'm going to kick myself when you tell me who this is. Say it. I want to say. I no, want to no, no. I don't. I, this I, is this is Weezer. This is back to back Weezer. Can you stop? This with is a, this is a brand new. This is their brand new album. 
uh, summer seasons. I, it's such a good album. They did so well on the summer one. It's a lot of hard. Is this rock. what it's going to be now? Oh, it, yeah. You're going to play Weezer. I'm going to play. I'm going to play here and there. Just here and there. I have a Weezer day. I mean, there's a have. stadium tour going on. We could play Crew. We could play Leopard. We could play. Oh, yeah. Poison. Yeah. I mean, well, there's there's but, but also no, you're, well. I mean, Weezer just got announced to have a stay at Broadway uh, for okay. their whole thing. So stay at Broadway. Yeah, they, they're doing the whole. They're doing a whole like, like so you, two three months. So at that Broadway. supersedes. Yeah, filling up baseball stadiums across the world. Yeah. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> just, just relax. He's twenty. Uh, All right. Now that the season is over. NHL season players, of course, have their exit interviews and need to pack up and get some rest before focusing on next season. And, of course, we want to open up the velvet rope for former Las Vegas Wrangler goaltender in 2006. Now lends his voice to the NHL radio network and his insights on the daily faceoff. Mike McKenna, we always love having you on. We appreciate you uh, spending time with us. You were a guy who moved around quite a bit, especially in the minor leagues uh, in your career. Talk about the difficulty of moving during the season, moving after the season, and explain the process of the exit interviews if you've ever been involved with one. Well, it's great timing, and thanks for having me on again. Yes, sir. I actually just put out a piece on Daily Faceoff um, this morning about what it is like to move Fantastic. twice a year. and. Uh, I got to tell you, it's it's not as glamorous as people think, because if, unless you're an NHL star, unless you have two homes, unless you can just walk out the front door of your place in Vegas, lock the door and go back to your cottage in Canada, it's just not that easy. You know, for most of us, and this this is probably a yeah, third to half of the NHL and all of the minor leagues, you've got to rent a trailer, then you've got to drive home, or maybe you just end up flying, but you have to think about all these things before you leave. And so for someone like myself, especially that spent a lot of time as a, a number three goalie who was up and down between the NHL and the AHL, um, I'd have one set of possessions that basically traveled and it would go into a storage shed in the summertime. And it would be, you know, about a week worth of packing, show up in the city, unpack it. That's almost two weeks. And then by, so by the end of the year, you spent like, Almost a full month packing and unpacking just to play hockey. And then, by the um, way, so you have to play the game. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, so, like, it, it was a whole process. And I tell you what, if we had 45 minutes, I could go into the depth of it. I mean, there were years where I would stage my possessions at my in-law's house out east for, like, two weeks while I was at training camp before we eventually moved in somewhere. That part was wild. Um, but to the other part of your question, asking about exit meetings, that can usually vary, but they're pretty. It's pretty similar, you know. It's usually a day or two after you're eliminated. Uh, I have seen even like next day after a season ends if you if you didn't make playoffs. But um, clearing out day, you come in and typically you'll meet with the coach, you'll meet with the general manager, um, and then you'll get like your exit physical done in the same day, and you go through those meetings and you, you typically have an end of the year party, and then everybody goes their separate ways you know some players stick around some players live year-round in a city but usually travel a little bit but you know for the most part you you kind of hug everybody goodbye and shake hands and then you reconvene by you know mid-august or so and off you go for the next season and talk about those interviews a little bit more which i always find them to be fascinating because sometimes you've you hear some slivers of, hey, I wasn't real happy with this particular part of the team. To be completely honest about this, did you, do they ask you about 
specifics like coaching or direction of the team. And did you ever have an exit interview that was a little bit uncomfortable? Or were you just kind of in a position where, hey, look, I just want to latch onto a team for uh, you know a consistent amount of time, so I'm not going to ruffle any feathers here. Was there ever a, a, a exit interview where you felt like, hey, look, I really have something to say here that I think needs to be addressed? You know, I think I only went in and did scorched earth, earth interview once. <laughs> um, and I think the earth had already been scorched in the first place. It was with the Arizona Coyotes organization. And um, the year I was there, 2014, 15, there was all kinds of upheaval. And um, frankly, they didn't treat players the right way in a lot of different scenarios. And the next year was the famous John Scott incident where the team tried to flush him out of the NHL so he couldn't play in the NHL All-Star game and a lot of it reflected how myself and other players have been treated by that club and um, you know me getting sent down the moment I hit a guarantee in my contract like basically a lot of things that revolved around them being terribly cheap back then and you know you go into that exit meeting and there had already been a playoffs where I didn't end up playing and actually ended up healthy scratching a game for the first time in my life and it seemed like it had already been made up and so that Exit meeting was very quick because I remember going in with the coaching staff and them saying, well, you know, did a great job this year, blah, blah, blah. And then is there anything else anymore? And I remember saying to them, just, I think we've already had this meeting. <laughs> that was kind of it. Um, because really it was the only contentious one I ever had every, um, was really cordial. You know, you just go over how the season's gone, things you thought, could have been approved upon. And, you know, I did have a couple of years where management even was asking me about the direction of a team or franchise or, you know, even questions about other teammates, you know, nothing like in a negative light, but just uh, my impressions of them. So Hmm. it's really a fact finding mission, a lot of it. And, you know, the good teams take advantage of those meetings and they take detailed notes and they're not contentious and they're all in a chance to make your team better. Um, but, boy, if things have gone sideways with the team, sometimes those meetings can be really short, or I've seen them be really long if a player is that angry about something. Then as a former player, and say you were playing with the Coyotes today, what do you think is going on in the room-to-be in Arizona knowing that they're going to have to play at Arizona State? I mean, nobody's going to come out and say anything, but I can't think that anybody in that room is, is really happy about the situation. No, I, I don't think. I mean, I do. I do hope that some of the players are looking at it objectively by thinking at least maybe it'll be a full house because they haven't experienced anything close to that in Glendale in a very long time. Especially when I was there. I mean, it was it was pretty dismal at those games at home. And it's you know, a we great arena. Half the building. Yeah, it was it's very comfortable. Part of town. Yeah, great arena. Wrong part of town. Right. You know, we'd we'd have to leave for games from Scottsdale where we were put up in the team hotel. Uh, to get to Glendale, we'd have to leave at 3.45 to make sure we'd get there by 5 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. And it just, it's a colossal waste of time sitting in traffic, like hot sun beating on you. Like you just, it wasn't worth it. And nobody was going to live over on that side of town. But I'm hoping that the players can look at it and just think at least they'll have a good environment. At least it'll hopefully be sold out and be a good atmosphere because they've been missing that. But it doesn't feel like the NHL. And that's the pain of it is that a lot of the players that are currently there, aside from maybe Clayton Keller, who knows if they're going to be around for a new arena if and when it gets completed. To me, they just need hope in Arizona. And I think the last meeting they had with the Tempe City Council where they agreed to move forward and potentially working towards making new arena, that's a great step forward. 
but they need some concrete evidence of hope there. It needs to happen soon because otherwise it just becomes a disenfranchisement. Yeah, and even, it even makes it worse, Mike, because, you know, Arizona State and, 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 and Coach Powers down there, I mean, they're not really coming out and saying it, but I, I know people that's close to that situation. They're like, your university is, yeah, we appreciate your cash, but we're not happy about this situation. This is our arena. I mean, that's, that's really the way they're looking at it. So not only are you playing yeah. in a, a non-NHL arena, but you're also roommates with somebody that really doesn't want you there, if they're being honest with you. Well, and that's why the Arizona State logos are going to be everywhere. That's right. They're a ten- the, the Coyotes are a tenant, and that's really what the Coyotes have been trying to get away from being as a tenant. You know, they want control, and, um, and, and frankly, like, this is what you have to do if you're going to try to make it work. Like, this is the last hope in Arizona, in my mind. I, I can't see – if this doesn't work out to get the new arena built in Tempe, there's no recourse. That team's gone. It's going to Houston. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just can't see it working out because – especially the ownership group there, they're Arizona-based. Why would you want a club that just simply can't survive in the city you're currently playing or the state you're currently playing in? So – I hope it works, man. I'm telling you, it's a good. It can be a good hockey market in Arizona in in Phoenix. I know it can, but it's got to be in the right place. And the problem is that we're still a couple of years away from it. That's what makes it daunting. That's for sure. the The Hockey Hall of Fame just now announced their 2022 inductees, which of course included the Sedin twins, Roberto Luongo. I, you know, and I think you've mentioned it, or somebody mentioned it on social media, and I, I completely agree and and talk about former las vegas goaltenders which maybe somebody maybe the market has forgotten but curtis joseph in my mind needs to be in the hall of fame and of course in 95 96 played uh what 15 games with the thunder he was 12 and 2 and is played in the ihl this is a guy beyond a shadow of a doubt needs to go in the hall I think so, and I think there's other goaltenders that maybe even are ahead of Curtis Joseph. I think just in general, the bar for admission for a goaltender to the Hockey Hall of Fame is so high, yet that bar is undulating. Like, what's the threshold? You know, you'll hear people say, well, this guy hasn't won a Stanley Cup. We can't put him in, or, you know, this guy didn't win a Vezina Trophy. We can't put him in, yet Roberto Luongo is just first ballot Hall of Famer, and he has neither of those. And by all means, Roberto Luongo should be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Fourth all-time in wins. He belongs there. But it shows that goalies like Curtis Joseph, who when he retired was fourth overall in wins, while playing for some bad teams along the way and being in all, you know, 30-plus wins for five different clubs and the longevity of his career and the all-star nods, how is Curtis Joseph not in the Hall of Fame? I don't understand that. You know, we've got players in there that are <laughs> – 80th all-time in scoring, 100th all-time right. in scoring. You know, like Marion Hosa went in the Hall of Fame, and we're talking about how good of a two-way player he was at the end of his career. Yet Mike Vernon's out there who won two Stanley Cups for two different teams, Calgary Flames and the Detroit Red Wings, five-time All-Star, Con Smythe winner as a playoff MVP, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Like, what's the bar for goaltenders, you know? You got Vernon, you got Barrasso, you got Cujo. All three of those guys, to me, should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, um, it's just it's crazy sometimes the, the the logistics and the mental gymnastics to keep goaltenders out because I, I honestly don't know what it takes anymore. Yeah, and it's interesting you brought up uh, Barrasso because that was the next one I was I was thinking about because when you bring up Cubs, which he's won two, I believe he has a Vezina Trophy, at least one. I mean. It, 
he's almost, I mean, he's scratching the surface of 300 wins. I mean, how much more of a bar do you have to jump over to get in? Yeah, you know, for me, Barrasso, he comes out of high school hockey and wins Rookie of the Year, Calder Cup Trophy, or Calder Trophy, and wins the Vesna right out of high school hockey in the NHL, 1983-84 with the Buffalo Sabres. And it, 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 that's astonishing. And then he wins two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think with Barrasso, it's that his career kind of trailed off towards the end. You know, he, he wasn't able to maintain as like a true number one for all those years. But is that really what it's going to take to make the haul? Like, to me, I, I don't, I can't agree with that. I think goaltending is, is too hard to be able to be stable over a 20 year career. Like there will be a regression. That's how it works. Like, I mean, nobody's talking about Joe Thornton regressing in his last three or four years. Right. Like that's going to diminish the chance of him making it. So Man, it's just typical goalie stuff. People don't understand goaltenders, and even though they think we're the most important person on the team, when it comes to these types of situations with Halls of Fame, and we don't get the credit we deserve, man, but we know it when we sign up for it. Well, Mike, we always appreciate you coming on, and I wanted to—I I like this time of year, even though we don't have hockey to watch. I can ask you about other things, uh, maybe with you personally, kind of, uh, you know, color up your background a little bit for the people that are listening so we always appreciate you coming on tell everybody where they can find your work yeah anytime um i I write for dailyfaceoff.com so i've written pieces up throughout the week a couple of them every week uh we do a streaming show also with that platform i host on sirius xm occasionally but Mm -hmm. the big thing for me is that you can always find me at mike mckenna 56 uh on twitter that's my main uh main you know, distributor of things as well as Instagram. So at Mike McKenna 56 and man, I love interacting with people. I still got a big heart for everybody out in Vegas, lots of followers from there. So yeah. love interacting with everyone. And you're fantastic on social media too. You're very active and your stuff is always good. So we appreciate it so much, Mike, and we'll definitely get with you before the season starts again. Look forward to it. Lots of changes out there. It'll be fun. Thanks for having me. All right, there he goes. Mike McKenna from the NHL radio network and a daily face-off. We also want to thank Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5 from joining us, Andrew McGinnis from Wager Talk. That does it for another day on Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. For Chris Johnson, I'm Dana Lane. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk tomorrow. Inside, it's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Me where hockey players face off down the rink, and the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The puck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game. Is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good old.